Hey, if I haven't met you, um, my name is Kyle, and I'm the college minister here at the church, and I just want to say welcome. Uh, I, I recognize a lot of y'all from like BCM stuff, or just coming on Sunday, and we're glad you're back. If you haven't been here before, we're just glad you're here. And I'm not too loud for y'all, am I? Are y'all okay? Okay, cool. I got some good affirmation. It means we're good. Um, but just a quick little bit about myself, um, if I haven't gotten to meet you. Um, I have been here on staff for three years as a college minister. Uh, before that, I was one of the interns at the BCM down the street. So some of those interns, they have the hope one day of becoming a real minister, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, they, they're awesome. I love those people, by the way. But uh, I was there on staff for a little bit. Um, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Any South Alabama people here? Yeah, where are you from? Yeah, Piro. Okay, Ethan's from Daphne, where he's at, yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, Owen's from Daphne. So we got some South Alabama people. Uh, I went to school at UA, so RTR to that. Uh, went there from 05 to 09. Uh, I was a civil engineering major. So, um, you know, all you engineers could one day become a minister, you know, if that's your aspirations. So um, I did that for a little bit, uh, about three years. Um, I was a civil engineer in Mobile. Uh, then God called me to ministry, and I've uh, been here in Tuscaloosa for about four years now. Uh, but love what I do, um, and uh, it's, just, you know, it's just a lot of fun to get to invest in college students, get to be ministering on the campus I used to be on as a student. Um, just random personal stuff about me. I love music. I'm a musician. Uh, done a little bit of recording and writing back in the day, not as much anymore. Um, but love that. Uh, I like to um, run on campus. If you ever seen me running on campus, you can wave at me. And like Kaylee saw me one day and was really like weirded out that she saw me running on campus. But I do run sometimes there, and I love Chipotle. So if you like Chipotle, we can share a burrito or a burrito bowl together one day. Um, but also I have an awesome girlfriend, Haley, who's right here. She's super cool. We've been dating for almost, well, over a year now. I shouldn't say almost, over a year now. And um, you should totally meet her. She's really, really cool. I'm kind of biased, but she is really cool. And she's a teacher at County High uh, up in Northport. And so, uh, but she's great. Uh, but I want to introduce a few people to you really quick, and then we'll get going with our Bible study tonight. You already met Ethan from Daphne. Down here is our intern this year. We're super pumped for him. He's a senior. We have Hannah Granger. Where's Hannah at tonight? Hannah is also on our leadership team. Uh, these people I'm introducing on our leadership team. She's from Odessa, Texas. We have Bradley Jones. Where's Bradley at? He's right here. He's from Huntsville, Alabama. He's super cool. Got back from El Salvador not long ago, like two days ago, three days ago, four days ago, whatever. It's close enough, right? And then uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Kaylee. I mentioned she's from Montgomery. <laughs> you're, you're, last but not least. Okay. But she's great. Um, she's from Montgomery, like I mentioned. But uh, a few things about our church really quick, if you're new. Um, our people may not even know this, but we were started in 1921, so we're really old as a church. Um, but back in 2011, uh, we had a tornado come through town that actually destroyed our building. And so if things look new here, uh, and if this whole area looks really open and spacey, it's because a tornado came through a couple years ago and made that, that space. But the sunset's really awesome now around here. Um, but during that time, we actually met at a different church. And so for about three years, we met at a different church, kind of shared space. Um, we rebuilt, came back, and the church that we met with misses so much, they actually wanted to merge with us. And so that church, Open Door Baptist, merged with us. We became one big family of, of Alberta Baptist about three years ago. And so if you come on a Sunday and you, and you like get confused about who's preaching, you have one young, bald guy one day, and then this older guy one day, and you're like confused why there's always a different guy preaching. We have two senior pastors. So we're like a little different as a Baptist church because we have two of those guys. Because Keith was the pastor at Open Door now here, and Colby was already here. So we have like super pastor powers at our church. Um, but we, uh, we love both of them. They're great. And so you, you might have seen Colby tonight. Uh, Keith wasn't around, but you'll get to meet him on a Sunday if you ever come around. Uh, but one more thing about our church I'd like to share with you guys is uh, our vision as a church, why we exist. Uh, we have a really simple vision statement about why we exist, not just as a church, but as a, 
uh, college ministry. And all my regular people have heard this a thousand times. I'm sorry, but you get to hear it again. Uh, but we have three things we exist for. Uh, we exist to, uh, to know God or lead people, to know God, find community, and live on mission. That's our vision statement as a church. And all that means is that, uh, first off, our primary mission as a church is to lead people to know God, to have a, prime, uh, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of, we center everything we do as a church around that. Uh, but then also, we have a vision to find community and lead people to that, which means that we really want to be a community. We don't want this to be a place where people come for a service. Even though we love to feed you all meals, we want to really create community uh, as a church. And so we want to be a place where people feel loved and accepted no matter where they come from, uh, no matter their backgrounds. Uh, we want to be a true community where people can be real with each other and we can put aside the facade that we have it all together because we're all in process. Uh, we're all in the process of becoming who we'll, we will finally be in Christ. And so we want to embrace that and embrace the joy of following Christ together. And then live on mission. Uh, we want to engage the community we're in. Uh, Alberta City is the area that we're in here and is part of town. And it is an amazing mission field. There's so many needs in this part of town, and we love getting to be on mission in Alberta City, but also on the campus, uh, not just the campus of UA, but of Shelton and, and Stillman as well. Uh, we love to be on mission there. And we also have a heart for the nations. Our church has sent many missionaries over the past couple of years. We got one guy who graduated from here last semester who went to Uganda this semester, T.O. He's in Uganda now. And so he's gone uh, there. And Bradley's got back from El Salvador. So we have a passion for the nations. So if you want to go to the nations, man, talk to me and we'll, we'll send you, all right? <laughs> we'll send you far away from here, okay? Um, just, just kidding. We, we, we will. But um, and we, we can get you uh, set on that. Um, but hey, if you have a Bible, um, go and turn to the book of Ephesians tonight. While you're turning there, uh, what, we, what we do on Wednesday nights is really simple. Um, we eat, and then I teach, and then we discuss, okay? So we could almost call this like eat and teach night or something, but it's what we do as a college ministry on Wednesday nights. We'd love to have you on Sunday mornings in this same building, same room. Uh, we do breakfast. We're going to do pancakes on Sunday, um, but we do more of a, of a discussion-oriented time on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday nights, we kind of do a little more teaching. And so uh, tonight, um, I want to share this from the book of Ephesians for you. We're in chapter 6. So if you want to look at Ephesians 6, uh, we're going to start in verse 10 tonight. But um, as you're turning there, um, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you guys tonight to start the semester, um, I thought about a movie. Uh, anybody seen the movie Dunkirk this summer? We have any history nerds? Anybody who just like, loves history? Okay, you may have to turn off your history nerdness for a minute because I may butcher a little bit of this and don't correct me. Because it's probably, I mean, I'll get it. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm not going to get it perfectly right, probably. Um, but I love Christopher Nolan. Any Christopher Nolan fans? Like Inception, um, Interstellar. I love those movies. Dark Knight. He's my favorite director. Um, but he came out with that movie Dunkirk this summer. And I loved it. I don't know if you've seen it. It's really, really good. I think it's still in theaters now. You might be able to, to see it. Um, but I saw that this summer. And uh, something about the movie really kind of like sparked a thought in me that, that led to tonight. But if you don't know the background of the, of the movie... Basically, it's this. It's a World War II movie, so it's a war flick. Um, not like a, a war flick sounds weird. That's a weird way to describe it. But it's a war movie, uh, but it's set in the beginning of World War II. And basically, what happens is, um, due to like a surprising German invasion, the French and the British military get stuck and kind of trapped in this area called Dunkirk, which is um, a coastal town right across the English Channel, just 47 miles away from their home. So like the British um, troops are like just 47 miles across the channel from getting back home, but they're trapped in Dunkirk and they have the German army kind of surrounding them. And the whole movie is about this rescue operation to where basically the British uh, Navy and some of the British military were able to send a bunch of uh, ships across the English Channel to rescue about 330,000 men over the course of about nine days. 
But the cool thing is that in the movie, that out of the 800 ships, about 700 of them were just like fishing vessels and stuff. It was like you know Uncle Bob's fishing boat and his yacht and that kind of thing. They literally they sailed across the, the channel and they rescued people and they brought them back. Um, but the cool thing about the movie is that um, I wasn't really expecting this, but in the movie, you would think there's lots of explosions, there's lots of shooting, that kind of thing. It's a war movie. Uh, but what kind of caught me off guard was the amount of calm in the movie. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there's a surprising amount of like calm moments in the movie that you just wouldn't expect. But if you think about how war really is, there's probably a lot of moments where you're walking to a different place, you're like in that stillness of the moment. Um, but in the movie, it really surprised me. And um, like there's certain scenes in the movie where they're kind of just waiting on the beach. And the real-life stories uh, really tell the same thing, that one guy said that even in the midst of them being bombed by German planes every now and then, and then having to stand in, like, shoulder-high water for hours on end waiting for a ship to come get them, they said it felt more like you were waiting in line for a bus, that you weren't really in war, you're just waiting in line for a while. And uh, I thought that was really interesting, because so many times during the movie, you almost forget that they're in war. Um, but for us, as I was thinking about my own life as we begin the semester... Um, if you've been here a couple of years, you can almost get into a routine of like, you know, you start a new day of class, you get in your class schedule, you kind of get going. And even for you new students, you're going to get into a routine soon where everything that's so new to you right now is going to become very normal and maybe even calm, if I dare say, besides football weekends, um, very calm to you. And uh, the, the crazy thing is, just like in that movie where sometimes the calm made you forget there was a war taking place, I think sometimes in our own lives, the routine and the... the um, the calmness of our lives can really make us forget that there's actually a battle taking place in all of our lives as well. And I'm not just talking about like World War II, because that happened a long time ago, but really there's a spiritual battle that's taking place in each of our lives, really every day, even in this very moment. And it's not a battle for power, it's not a battle for land, that kind of thing. It's a battle in our hearts, and it's really not only in our hearts, but all around us. But the battle is for our souls, the battle is for our, our desires, our affections, uh, for our eternities, and we forget that sometimes. And so I kind of want to give you guys a little bit of a, a pep talk tonight, if I can, uh, to kind of maybe set the trajectory for your year and to set the trajectory um, for even this semester as you enter the campus, as you enter your classes, as you enter all this maybe new stuff, uh, maybe very normal stuff for you, and really help you remember that as you enter into the campus, uh, I'm not trying to make this weird like us versus them thing with the battle analogy, but we need to remember that there's a lot of things spiritually happening around us that we can be blind to sometimes. And so if you look at me tonight in Ephesians 6, um, you may have heard this passage a lot of times, um, but I want to read uh, verses 10 through 20, and then I want to give you a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of challenge tonight as you start your year of how to, how to prepare for the spiritual battle uh, that you're already in and that you're going to continue to grow in. No matter if you're a Christian or you may, maybe you've never been to church tonight in your life, like this is your first time ever in church, this applies to everyone tonight. I think we can take um, some great insight from God's Word. So let's read this. I'll pray for us, and then we'll um, unpack some more things. So starting in verse 10, I'm reading in the ESV translation tonight, um, but starting in verse 10, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. 
Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. You guys pray with me real quick. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the power of your word. I pray for these students as they begin a year. Uh, Lord, I, I love the excitement of a fall semester and all the newness that comes along with it, Lord. And I pray for these students tonight that you will help them see that in all the excitement and the newness and the opportunities of this semester, uh, that you desire to do great things in and through them, Father. Uh, but that there is, a, there is a spiritual force that would desire them to, to waste this year. Uh, that the enemy would desire for them to be distracted. The enemy would desire for them to, um, to not live uh, for things that um, really make a difference in eternity, Father. That uh, the enemy would rather them be defeated, uh, depressed. Father, the enemy would rather them uh, seek after things that just don't matter in the end. But tonight, Lord, from your word, I pray you would give us clarity and give these students clarity to live in light of eternity, to live this year, um, Lord, to make a difference for Christ and to make a difference for the gospel on their campus, in their classes, uh, Lord, wherever you have placed them, Father. I pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, so in these verses tonight, I think Paul gives us a great reminder about what, kind of what I prayed about there, the reality of life. Um, and no matter if it's your first semester here or if you're going to graduate this year, which how many seniors we got? How many seniors? Man, there's more y'all than I thought. Please don't leave. Just stay. All right, don't leave. Uh, but no matter if it's your first year or last year, uh, I think this reminder is relevant to all of us. Um, it's that we're all engaged in a spiritual war. All right, we're all engaged in a spiritual battle. Now, when I say that, if you have, like, much experience in church, you may think I'm just talking about, like, spiritual warfare in the sense of, like, weird exorcist stuff. You know, like, um, heads spinning around. Creepy stuff like that, which, by the way, I hate those movies. Never ask me to go watch one of those movies with you. I'm not going to do it, all right? They, they creep me out, okay? Um, but that's not all. We talk about spiritual warfare. That's not all we're talking about. I'm not talking about weird voodoo dolls in the midst of the Amazon jungle either, because those are the pictures that we get painted a lot of times. But really, spiritual warfare can be a lot more subtle uh, than that in our lives. And let me give you a couple examples of what it can look like uh, in your life here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, spiritual warfare can be this. You, you start the year with a commitment to grow spiritually, but only you begin, you begin to get so busy that you slack off from your time in God's word and go into church. That could be spiritual warfare. Uh, spiritual warfare can be that you commit at the beginning of the year to guard yourself sexually. But then you begin to um, compromise in little ways with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And before you know it, you've crossed all kinds of boundaries. And you're full of shame and you're full of regret. Uh, it could be that you, uh, you come to college with hopes of making lots of friends. Only to find that anxiety and depression and you, uh, leave you to being lonely and depressed in your dorm all alone on a Saturday night. That can be spiritual warfare. Um, it also could be that you move to Tuscaloosa and you have no intent of doing anything spiritual. And you live the entire time in college simply chasing after whatever you want to do. That can be spiritual warfare too because that's being blind to the reality of what our lives are about. Um, see, spiritual warfare can be a lot more subtle and a lot more broad than we think. And that's why I love this passage in Ephesians, because it really can apply in a lot more ways than we think. Because it shows us that our own sinful hearts and the enemy himself are, are seeking to push us away from true spiritual life. It's seeking to push us away from that spiritual freedom. And it's really waging a war to keep us distracted from eternal things. 
And so I want to encourage you tonight as we look at this passage uh, to not be passive this year in your spiritual life, but to really, man, to make war in your own life, uh, to fight for Christ, fight for your spiritual health, and really at the beginning of the year to make some battle plans here this year to follow Christ. And so I kind of gave you some things in the back of your sheet here. These are three really simple points that are not like that creative. So I gave you plenty of room to like write out more stuff if you want to. But I want to point out three specific ways I think Paul helps us to prepare for the spiritual war that's going on uh, in your life, okay? And really three simple things, all right? The first one is this, all right? First, he calls us to be strong in the Lord. All right, that sounds awesome, like a little fridge magnet you can put, you know, on your fridge, you know, be strong and courageous from Joshua. But like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Okay, that's really a, a very Christian phrase. Um, but I would say this, to be strong in the Lord means to not be strong in yourself, but to be strong in the Lord and to rely only on the power uh, that God can provide. Um, but to think about it this way, I have a confession. I love sugar. I love sweets, all right? Like I was telling someone a minute ago, there's been some mysterious brownies that have appeared in our church office recently. Um, and that's pretty normal at our church. I don't know why. We have lots of old ladies who love to cook for us. And so brownies appeared in our office. I also have another confession. I love sleep. So um, the combination of those two things is not always great for me. So sometimes I've had a brownie for breakfast, I'll be honest, when I've come here recently. So like, because I did not have time to eat breakfast. And I began to realize like, you know, I get to noon and be like, man, why am I so tired? Why do I feel like, you know, so just like starving, like I haven't eaten in three days? I'm like, oh, wait, I had a brownie for breakfast. Like, surprise, like newsflash, brownies are not very good sources of like nutrition. So like new students, right? You know, I mean... Don't have a brownie. You know, Pop-Tarts even aren't that great either. Sorry to break it to you, okay? Um, but, like, brownies are not a great source of nutrition, so at least eat some ramen or something to, like, you know, compliment it, okay? But they're not, you know, I know. I say I love, you can make ramen in a Keurig, by the way. Did you know that? You can actually put, okay, anyway, that's the random side. But here's the thing. So, but I realized from that, I was finding, I wasn't able to get nutrition from a brownie. And the problem is this, is that a lot of times we do the same thing spiritually, that we think we can get our spiritual nutrition either from nothing or from junk food, right? From, you know, maybe like a short, like, we may think my prayer life can be simply, you know, let me pray for a few seconds as I get in my car in the morning to go to class. That's a great habit to make. But the thing is, if that's your only prayer life is a few minutes in your car going to class, that's probably not enough nutrition in your spiritual life. And we can do, we can do things like that all the time. And really, we end up uh, trying to run on our own strength and not the Lord's strength. And then we get surprised when we find that we're spiritually burnt out, we're distracted, we've wasted a semester, and we don't know why. It's because we're not finding our strength in the Lord, and we're not using His strength. And so and that's a challenge to me, because like I said, I mean, I love sugar and I love sleep and that kind of thing. It is a challenge to me as well. Um, but the first step in the process of finding our strength in the Lord is to realize that, like Jesus says in the book of John, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And I think the first step in finding our strength in the Lord is to realize that we don't have it on our own and simply to, to ask him for it, to confess up to the Lord and say, Lord, I've got a lot happening this semester. There, there's a lot of things that I, that I um, want to do this semester. There's a lot of goals I have spiritually. Um, I want to make a difference for you in this campus, but I realize that I can't do it on my own, that uh, apart from you, I can do nothing, and I need your strength. And that first act of confession, I think, is step one in finding your strength in the Lord. But I think the second thing is simple. It's not just asking him and confessing, but spending time with him. Spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, allowing him to, uh, to speak to us and to give those spiritual nutrients to us is incredible. And it's incredibly important. And it may sound like a very pastoral, like, you know, ABC thing to say, but really having a daily time with the Lord is an incredible habit that you want to form here at the beginning of the year. Because it really will be spiritual nutrition for you for the whole year. 
But that's the first thing we see Paul say. Um, But the second thing we see in this passage is that he tells us that we need to put on the armor of God in order to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And I love that word scheme. I actually did a little research on it. And um, the word scheme in the Greek is actually a really interesting word that isn't just like scheme. It's actually a word that kind of describes like a, a methodical and carefully laid out plan. I can't pronounce the word. I took Greek way too long ago in seminary. Um, but it's a word that has the word method in it, and it's a very carefully laid out plan. And I begin to think about that. I'm like, you know what? Have you ever thought that maybe, and I'm, I'm not trying to be like creepy or, you know, like, you know, put weird thoughts in your head. Have you ever thought that like Satan may have schemes for you? Even here at the beginning of the year, that maybe like, you know, in Satan's office, wherever that's at, he's not in hell yet, but like maybe he has a file on you and he's like, you know what? Like this, I, this person, I know that they have weaknesses in this area. So you know what? I'm not going to try to mess them in the areas that they're strong in. But I'm going to keep returning and hitting them in the areas that they're weak. And I'm going to develop schemes for them. And I begin to think about that. I'm like, well, where are the areas that I'm weak in? Where are the, where are the areas that maybe God could, uh, or not God, Satan, ooh, careful, um, that Satan could maybe develop schemes for me? And just to kind of be transparent with you, one of mine is uh, I'm very prone to get discouraged. I'm prone to overcommit. Right, and Haley can affirm this. I'm very prone to overcommit and wear myself down really quick, and then I get physically tired, and I start to get spiritually discouraged. And it's like this vicious cycle for me. And I feel like the enemy knows that. And he, he loves to make me overcommit. He loves to make me feel guilty for not saying yes to everything. And then I overtax myself, and I, I get burnt out. And I'm like, why am I even doing this? I just give up in life, you know? And that's one of the schemes that he, I think that the enemy is prone to kind of get me in. And for me, that means I have to be very careful with my schedule. And how I guard my time, how I guard my rest, how I, I take a Sabbath, you know, and be very careful with that. But that's just me. What about you, though? Like, you may have a tendency to be weak in an area, you know, like jealousy, like gossip, uh, anger. Maybe you have a weakness in the area of lust. But where are the schemes that maybe Satan is maybe trying to, to, to get you, especially here at the beginning of the year, especially if you're a new student? Because you're you're, you've been pulled away from your support system from your friends back home. And this is prime time for the enemy to try to find ways to just break you down very methodically. I'm not trying to say this in a creepy way, but to prepare and to think about this. This is very, very important uh, to think about. Uh, and that's what Paul's talking about when he talks about we don't just wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not, we're, just talk, we're not just talking about physical things. We're not just talking about schedules and classes and that kind of thing. We're talking about spiritual powers that are at work in our lives that we need to um, heed and, and be very aware of. And that doesn't just manifest itself and the things that we consider uh, spiritual. Like I said, it can manifest itself in an overcommitted schedule. It can manifest itself in the temptation to look at porn. It can manifest itself in a hard relationship with a roommate, or even in a, in a struggle to share the gospel with someone. There's spiritual battle that's happening there that we need to be aware of, and we fight spiritual battles with spiritual means, which we'll talk about more in a second. Okay? Uh, but the second thing we see, looking at verses 14 through 17, I gave you on the notes, It's first he says we need to... Be strong in the Lord. But the second thing is this, is that we stand firm in the armor of God. We stand firm in the armor of God. That's how we handle these schemes. And uh, if you've grown up in church, uh, you may be familiar with the armor of God stuff. There may be a song out there. I've never heard a song, but there probably is somewhere. Um, Some VBS probably made it up. But you may have seen like the flannel graph, like, you know, like armor of God, or you you guys are probably too old for that or too young for that. Um, But you've probably seen like coloring sheets and a lot of bright colored, you know, armor of God kind of stuff. But I want to encourage you, as we talk about this, like, don't let the familiarity of this um, distract you from the beauty of it. I know for me, I grew up in church. It's part of my story. I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 13. But sometimes I read passages like this. I'm like, oh, I got that. I've already heard this. Yeah, bells of truth. 
breastplate of righteousness, yada, yada, yada. Don't miss this, okay? There's some really, really good stuff in here um, I want you to see. Um, but first thing I want to point out is this. Um, you may have heard it. I tried to accident it when I read the passage, but notice how Paul says stand a lot. You ever notice that? He says stand firm, and he says it like withstand. He uses that word stand multiple times. Uh, but one thing I thought about is that you notice how Paul never says, like, go charge the gates of hell with a water pistol. He never says, you know, go, go fight the enemy. Go, he, he's never active in saying go and go and go. He keeps saying stand. And I started to think about, well, why is he saying stand? Like, why does he not say something about, you know, like, go fight, fight, fight? I begin to realize is that it's not our job <laughs> to fight these, these spiritual enemies. The fact is that Christ has already accomplished the victory for us and that our responsibility is not to go and defeat the enemy because we can't do that on our own, but Christ has already defeated the enemy for us and as Christians, our responsibility is to withstand the schemes of the devil, right? And if you're not a Christian in here, your responsibility is to submit to Christ primarily so that you can be out of the devil's schemes, all right? But I thought that was kind of amazing because when Christ rose from the dead, when he died and we rose from the dead, he accomplished the final victory for us and he stole the keys to death and to hell and put the devil in his place forever, so if you're a Christian in this room, you don't have to walk in defeat. You don't have to walk in this fear that you're going to be overwhelmed and just you know, kind of put aside by the, by the enemy. But you have victory, and your responsibility now and your calling is not to feel like you have to defeat him on your own. It's already been done for you. Right? Your identity in Christ has been sealed in what he's done on the cross. Right? And now your calling is to simply put on the armor every day to find your identity in Christ and withstand the devil's schemes. So like, what does that mean then? Well, look at how Paul describes the armor, all right? Obviously, if you're in your war, if you're in war, you don't show up in like jeans and like a V-neck. Okay, that'd be really weird. You need to be protected when you go to war. And so, when Paul talks about the armor, he talks about typical armor. He, he uh, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians when he was in prison, more than likely. And so, it's very possible that when he was writing the letter, he was like looking at a Roman soldier that was guarding him. So he was like, you know, all right, the uh, the, the belt of truth. He's got a belt. You know, the the breastplate. He's like applying things as he sees it, which I kind of love that picture of him, like staring at this guy, like writing things down, you know. Um, but he's using this analogy. He's taking like spiritual things and applying it to that picture. Um, but I love the way he applies it because he talks about the belt of truth, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, and the shield of faith. And I could do a whole like five-week series on all those things and do a whole night in each one, and you guys would get really tired of it by the time it was over. Um, but we're not going to do that tonight for sake of time. But I want to point out this, and this really blew my mind when I began to really think more about it. Um, and this is crucial to Paul's main focus. All the things he says we need to put on are things that we already have in Christ. All the things he says we need to put on are things that we, we are given and we already have in Christ. And that's really crucial because think about it. Like truth, all right? In Christ, we have the one who called himself the way, the truth, and the life. Right? He said if you follow Christ, if you know Christ, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. We can be free from the lies the world tries to throw at us to give us a false identity. think we have to prove ourselves or find our fulfillment in a person or in a job or in whatever else. We can find truth in Christ and freedom. Uh, think about righteousness, right? In Christ, we have the righteousness of God. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So if we put our faith in Christ, we can be confident that we're completely right with God that we have his complete righteousness and we're accepted by God because of what Christ has done for us. Think about peace, the shoes, right? Ephesians 2, another one of my favorite verses. Maybe that's why I picked them tonight. Uh, Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Think about salvation, right? Christ is obviously our salvation. He saved us from eternal separation from God. But even think about the shield of faith, right? Christ, like it says in, in the book of Hebrews, he's the author and protector, the author and defender of our faith. And when we look to Christ and what he's done for us, we can have full confidence that God loves us. We can put our full faith in what God has done for us in Christ, and that allows us to fight off any flaming darts the devil may throw at us, that we may want to distrust God and distrust his love for us. We can fight those things off knowing what God has done for us in Christ. And like a little history lesson for a second, the reason that it talks about flaming darts and that kind of thing is because uh, back in the day, uh, armies would use flaming arrows to shoot at people and in their structures. Lots of stuff was made of wood. What happens when you have a flaming arrow hit wood? Because it's on fire, right? So, like, so they, that's not good. So what the Romans would do, because the Romans were bosses and knew what to do because they were awesome. That's why they took over lots of stuff. They would take their shields made of wood. They would um, soak them in water and they would wrap them in leather. And then you shoot an arrow at it. It's on fire. It doesn't do anything to it, right? Because it's soaked to wood. It's covered with leather. And, uh, and that's kind of what Paul's talking about with these flaming arrows. But I, I began to think about that. Like even with us, like if we wrap ourselves in the gospel and preach the gospel to ourselves every day and wrap our minds and bathe our minds in Christ, we bathe our minds in the gospel, it's the same thing for us, that we can fight off the attacks. We can fight off the temptations and the distractions. But the point is of all that is that it's only when we put our faith in Christ and we put on Christ that we'll be ready to face the battles, right? And the, I love the way um, that uh, actually Nate, who used to be the campus minister at the BCM, he always called, called, called the Christian life a... Uh, a step followed by a process. That the Christian life is a decision that we make at one point, but then it's a process that we begin to move in over the course of our life. And it's the same thing with this idea, is that we first put on Christ, we put our faith in Jesus. And we have that initial decision. If you haven't made that tonight, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, but then for us, with this armor idea, um, it's a daily decision for us to put on the armor of God. It's a daily decision for us to not try to find our identity and our armor in ourselves and our, in our own abilities, but instead, it's our responsibility to preach the gospel to ourselves and put on the armor every day so that we can resist all the things that the world may want to throw at us to find our identity in those things instead. And that's why Paul tells us to put on the armor of God, because putting our faith in Christ and finding our identity in him is the primary way that we can experience uh, spiritual victory. Because if you don't find your identity in him, you're going to find it in something uh, else. Man, the, the world these days has so many different ways that we can try to define ourselves, and it's, it wants to throw so many identities at us that are so fragile and they can be broken so easy. Um, but finding our identity in Christ is the only sure foundation. And hear this really quick. I, I wrote this down to remind you that if you're a Christian in here, this is what the Bible says about you. And this is the foundation you can live in. Um, but the truth is this, is that if you're in Christ, you are completely accepted and loved. Uh, you are a son of God and you're a bride of Christ, no matter if you're a guy or a girl in here. And there's no condemnation for you, according to Romans 8. There's no good you could ever do that would make God love you more. There's no bad you could ever do that would make God love you less. Uh, I love the way Tim Keller says it. He says, on your own, you're way more simple than you ever could imagine. But also in Christ, you're more loved than you could ever dream. And that's who you are in Christ. And so if you find your identity and your primary satisfaction in him and live out of that identity, you'll be freed up to find, to find spiritual victory this year. You won't have to prove yourself um, to other people to find your meaning. You won't have to find your acceptance in your identity and relationship. You won't have to fill a void in your heart with a bunch of things that may feel good for a moment and then be gone you know, in a day or less. 
You can be protected and sustained in Christ. And out of that, the thing I love about this is that out of that identity, you're then freed up to love other people. And once we find our identity in Christ, we're free to love other people in a way that the world it just can't compare to. I can love someone and not expect anything in return. I can serve people and put their needs of my own in the way that Christ did and illustrate to them the beauty of the gospel in a way I could never do on my own. And when we do that, when we live that way, when the church lives in that way, they take notice and they want what we have. And that's how the church can be on mission in in a beautiful way. Uh, But the the last part of that armor I want to point out, and we'll move on to our last point, is uh, the one he talks about, the the sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive part of the armor of God, and the sword of the Spirit is obviously God's Word, and it's the Bible. But I think it's really interesting he uses that as the only offensive weapon, because really what it's telling us is this, is that the Bible and your Bible that you carry around, you may have ten of them at your house, um, it's the only real resource you have for waging spiritual war on your own. The Bible and really prayer, if you think about it that way. Um, but that's why it's so important. I want to admonish you here at the beginning of the year is to make time in God's word a priority this year. It may sound like a very easy thing for me to say um, you know, in front of uh, y'all, but I really want to encourage you. Make God's word a priority in your life this year. Uh, to meditate on it, uh, to memorize it. Um, you, get, you guys are college students. You've got lots of free time. You know, what you say that, it's like a vacuum that like goes away so quick. But, um, but I want to encourage you, find um, a time right now, make it a built-in part of your schedule to take 10, 15 minutes even to spend time in God's Word every day, to memorize it, to med- meditate on it, to spend time chewing on it, because that will be a lifeline to you here in your college career. All right, God can speak to you through this Word, and He can change your life um, in a powerful, powerful way. All right. The last thing I want to point out is this, and we'll begin to wrap up tonight. Is that the last thing I have in her sheet is the last thing Paul shows us is this, is to pray constantly. All right, pray constantly. And that may seem like a pretty obvious thing, but I love the way he says it. If you look at like verse 18, he says, he tells us to pray a lot. Like, look, he says, pray at all times in the spirit. So at all times, then with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance and making supplication for all the saints. He like hits all up like over over. We're like, Paul, we get the point. He wants to pray a lot, okay? Um, but the point is this. He's not just trying to make you feel guilty for not praying uh, you know, enough, um, but he's trying to show us that prayer is the means that we apply the armor of God to our lives, right? Prayer is the means that we can apply it and apply these truths to our lives. And so we can go to God in prayer, and we can ask for strength to stand firm. And we can ask for the spiritual insight to remember who we are in Christ and our identity in Him and be filled with the Spirit to live boldly for Him. Um, but if, if, if I'm honest, and you guys know this, prayer is hard, right? Especially if you're like me and you love sleep. <laughs> uh, prayer is hard. Uh, but not just that. Prayer is hard because it's easy to get distracted. Like I mentioned earlier, it's easy to like, throw up a prayer you know, in the shower in the morning and be like, I'm good. E- easy to throw up a prayer, driving to, driving to class, you know, um, walking to class. And it's easy to neglect prayer and really spend some good time with the Lord. Um, but Paul makes a huge point in saying prayer is important because he's saying prayer is our lifeline in our Christian life. Prayer is our lifeline. Uh, the way we hear from God is through his word. The way we speak to God is through prayer. And that's the way we can have a relationship and we can, we can communicate to him. And so if we're simply to spend time hearing from God but never spending time communicating to him, that's a, one, that's a you know, one-way relationship, and that's not a very fun relationship to be in. Where they only talk to you. You never get to talk to them or vice versa. That wouldn't be very fun. Right? But God wants to have a back-and-forth relationship with us. And so prayer is our lifeline to him. And without prayer... We're not going to have the wisdom and insight and power to live faithfully for Christ. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge myself. Make prayer a priority this year as well. 
Um, you know, take, take five to ten minutes a day. You find some time in your schedule in the morning or in the evening or whenever it is that you're most awake. Don't try to pray at like 11.30 at night when you're about to go to bed and you've been up all day or you haven't slept in three days. Don't do that, okay? You lay your head in your pillow. You're like, dear Lord. You wake up and you're like, amen. You know, don't, don't do that, okay? All right, that, that, that does not count as eight hours of prayer. Don't tell me I prayed eight hours last night if you did that, okay? Um, but really, for real, I want to encourage you, make prayer a priority this year. All right? it's, it's a big, big deal. It is our lifeline uh, to our spiritual health, all right? And last thing I want to point out, and then we'll close up, is this. Notice how Paul says at the end of this section, pray for boldness. I love the way that Paul says that. He says, pray for boldness for him. We don't have to pray for Paul anymore because he died. He's with the Lord, okay? So we don't have to pray for Paul, but we should pray for ourselves that God would give us boldness this year. Think about it. Man, there's, there's like almost 8,000 new students that came to campus this year from UA. There's almost 40,000 students in the campus of UA. I don't know the number for Shelton, but there's a bunch of people at Shelton, Stillman. Like, there are so, so many people in this town, and so many of them do not know Christ. So many of them do not know the gospel. There may be people on our campuses that have never even heard the gospel, right? You, you may think that's weird. It's not that hard to believe. we got people from all over the world that come to our campus now, right? The gospel is, man, there's a huge need for it on our campus. You may sit beside someone tomorrow in class who may have never heard the gospel, you know, or maybe they've heard it in a way that doesn't make any sense to them. And God may give you the opportunity this semester to share the gospel with them. I want to pray, I want to ask you to pray for boldness for yourself at this semester. You might be able to share with them. Pray for boldness for your other Christian friends that they would have the boldness to share the gospel. Pray for churches and ministries in town to have boldness to share the gospel this semester. And make it your heart's cry this year to see, um, see the Lord do some great things in and through his people on campus this year. But pray for that. Make that a vital part and a consistent part of your prayer life. I just ask that for you personally. Um, but as we close tonight, uh, back to the uh, whole uh, Dunkirk thing. There's a really nice quote that uh, Winston Churchill said that really kind of reminds me of the, the seriousness of that event. But at the end of that event, it was called Operation Dynamo, like I said. He said this in a speech. He said, we must be very careful not to assign to this deliverance the attributes of a victory. Wars are not won by evacuations. I thought it was interesting. Wars are not won by evacuations. And, and the, the same is true for us. Neither is spiritual war. Spiritual war is not won by evacuations. Spiritual war is not won uh, and engaged in passively. It's an active thing. So I want to encourage you this year, as you begin the year, to make your walk with the Lord an active and a, um, an aggressive part of your life. College is an amazing time where you have lots of opportunities to try new things, to learn, to grow. And man, uh, your spiritual life is an amazing, that part of your life is an, is an amazing part of your college experience to grow in. It's an amazing time for you to really, um, really make your faith your own in many ways. And I want to encourage you uh, to do that and to really invest deeply in your walk with the Lord. Uh, but I know even here, like just a couple of days in the class, there may be people here uh, who, who don't know the Lord or feel like they've already completely screwed up. <laughs> they feel like they've already failed. Um, maybe you've, you've already made a ton of mistakes here at the beginning of the year. You feel like you've just kind of gone and done things you said you would never do here at the beginning of the year, and you already are filled with shame and, and regret. Uh, maybe you feel like you've gone too far, you mess up too much, that God can never love you. Or maybe you, you grew up in church, but you've done some things, you're like, man, God just would never forgive me for that. Like, what have I done? I want to let you know tonight that, you know, the scriptures say that God sent Christ to die for us even when we were his enemies, even when we basically spit in his face. And if God sent Christ to die for us in that sense and in that time for us, I mean, there's nothing you can do 
to be too far from the Lord. Nothing you can do to separate yourself too far from Him. There's nothing uh, that you can do to get too far outside of God's forgiveness. And so if you feel like you've, you've gone too far, you've messed up too much, I mean, that's the enemy telling you that. All right? That's not the Lord telling you that you're too far, that you've gone too far. And that tonight, you can turn back to Him. That His arms are open for you. Christ, uh, God sent His Son to die for you, uh, to bring you back to Him. Uh, I love the verse that we hear a lot. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you're here tonight and you feel like you've gone too far, man, know that there's hope for you. And if you've never come to Christ tonight, if you've never surrendered your life to him, man, tonight can be the night that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. If you simply surrender to Christ, it can be the night where you find true spiritual victory and find forgiveness and find freedom and find joy in Christ. And so if you want to talk more about that, I'd love to talk to you more about that tonight after we're done. Uh, but maybe you're here, you're a Christian, and you realize that, man, I've been sitting on the sidelines way too long. Maybe you're like a junior. Maybe you're a senior. You're like, man, I haven't made my spiritual life a priority. I've been locked on the sidelines of this battle. I've been passive. I have not been engaged. And I want to encourage you. It's not too late. Even if it's like your 17th semester here, you're like on that you know, super like, you know, extended program of, of college. Man, it's never too late to make, um, <laughs> to make a change in your walk with the Lord and make your spiritual life a priority this semester and to see God do great things in and through you uh, this year. You know, the, the God's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and a bazillion chances. I mean, I've seen that in my life so many times. And this semester could be a new semester for you. But I want to encourage you. Man, confess that to the Lord if that's you tonight. Confess that you, that you need to change, that you want to repent, that you're sorry for your passive... Uh, Passivity, I guess would be the word, uh, in your spiritual life, and that you want to make that commitment to him and engage in the battle this semester. Uh, but lastly, you may be a Christian here, and you may feel like you're under a lot of attack. You may feel like you're that person who's just constantly being hit in your weak spots. Um, I want to encourage you, number one, find people to pray for you. I don't, don't, try, don't try to fight that battle alone. The Christian life was never meant to be done by itself. That's why God gave us the church. And so you're never meant to walk with Christ alone. And we would love for you to be part of our faith family here to walk alongside you. But if we're not the place for you, find, find a place to plug in and to have people that will walk alongside you with your walk with the Lord. Because we're never meant to do this thing alone, right? That's why Christ called 12 people to follow him as a group, right? And not just a bunch of random individuals to do their own thing, but as a group. So find someone to pray for you, to walk alongside you, right? And then make it a daily thing now to begin to, to preach the gospel to yourself, to remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. And to put on that armor every day and find some people that can help you in that process to remember that. But no matter where you're at tonight, um, if you need prayer, uh, we'd love to pray for you. Um, I'd love to pray for you tonight. Our leadership team, if you want to talk to one of them after we're done tonight, they'd love to pray for you and be there for you. But what we're going to do here at the end, we're going to take about 10 or 15 minutes. And at your table, um, I have a couple of questions on your sheet. Just three questions, really. One of them is how can we pray for each other? So it's an easy one to do. Um, But take a little bit of time. Discuss those questions a little bit. And on that third one, make sure to take some time to pray for each other. And I know a lot of y'all don't know each other really well. So it may be hard to kind of open up. But man, just you know, find some common ways you can encourage each other. You can pray for each other as you begin this semester. Because uh, we, be we want this to be a semester where we make, um, we make Jesus just so famous and look so good on this campus because of what he's done in and through us this year. And so I want to pray for y'all. And uh, after we're done with that time, I'll come back up and close this out in here about 10 or 15 minutes. And then we have some ice cream sandwiches in the fridge that we're going to get out, and we'll have some ice cream sandwich time tonight, speaking of sugar and all that stuff. I told you I love sugar, right? So um, we'll have some of that here in just a little bit, and then we'll close up, okay? So let me pray for you, and we'll be done, all right? 
Father, I thank you for these students. Um, and I hope that tonight, through your word, Lord, you have helped us all see um, that there is so much more going on around us and within us than we realize sometimes. That it can be so easy to get caught up in just the busyness of the semester and uh, really got caught up in just the excitement of, of new things even and not, and not realize that there's a spiritual war going inside of us, going on inside of us and going on around us, Father. And that uh, you were calling us um, to, to deeper things, to greater things, Lord, to, to know you and make you known in so many ways this year. Or you're calling many students who haven't followed you to follow you. And, um, but in that, there is an enemy. There are spiritual powers that, that want to do nothing more than distract us. Uh, they want to do nothing more than make students uh, make college just about themselves, uh, just, about their, just about their career, uh, just about their own uh, success, and just about fun, um, and neglect the truth of eternity. But I pray for these students tonight um, that your spirit would just speak to their hearts, Help them to see, Lord, that uh, the next three or four years, or maybe one year for them, two years, however long they have here, Lord, um, is, is a prime time to invest deeply in their walk with you. And that really the, the, their time in college is a, um, it's an amazing opportunity to grow in their walk with you and to make you known to people. And they would not uh, miss um, eternal things simply for temporary things uh, that can distract us. Not that all those things are bad, but they can really distract us from... Um, what you're calling us to. So I pray that you would take this time tonight, even as we discuss, um, to expose even our hearts a little bit more to maybe what you're calling us to, Father, even um, weaknesses we may need to guard ourselves from, and that you would help these students really begin to set up a a battle plan for this year, how they're going to make their time with you priority, how they're going to make prayer priority, how they're going to make engaging with people, sharing the gospel priority. And for anyone here who doesn't know Christ, Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts to believe tonight, that tonight would be the night they find freedom and forgiveness in new life in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Awesome. You guys take a few minutes to discuss at your tables.